Welcome to the Call Center BS Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Bichilio, with my co-host... Kevin Lavonis. What's going on? <laughs> this is the first episode. For those of you who don't know us, uh, which may be a lot of you, uh, we'll tell you a little bit about our backgrounds. Those of you that do, who have followed us in our uh, previous content, whatever you want to call it, content barrage, because we were doing a shitload of content... Uh, revolving around um, Merch by Amazon, an opportunity that we were involved in, designing t-shirts, and uh, we were doing tons of content, Facebook Lives, four times a week, podcast. I mean, dude, we were we were crazy, right? We were crushing the content. We were crushing the content. We weren't crushing the fucking... That's all, that's all we were crushing, though. We weren't crushing the money, I'll tell you that. Uh, it was a great opportunity, great community. I'm sure people... Uh, who followed us before, will be listening to this podcast, right? Yeah, you know what? I think the majority of the audience will probably be people that listen In the beginning. To us yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we have to have a lot of fun. Uh, we love doing the content, but about eight or nine months ago, we stopped it. Um, reason being was that, you know, we decided to change the business model that we were in at that time. That time, we were all in on Amazon merch. We sell, we sell a lot with Amazon, too. We're a pretty decent size. FBA. Some people might say big, but I mean we know that compared to a lot of other sellers, we're not. We do over two million dollars a year on sales with Amazon. We sell all kinds of stuff, uh, and we were big on merch by Amazon. But before that, we had a monster call center. Uh, we had uh, at one point 110 employees. Right? Yeah. Well, I'll put I'll throw out some numbers there because just you got to speak yeah, close just to the mic. Right before we got on the call. Just so you guys know, we rigged this up. We used to have equipment, a full-time video guy, a full-time audio guy, all kinds of equipment, and we just stopped doing everything. So now we're starting again. All we have is this little fucking microphone in front of us, so it's not going to be the best right now, but we'll get back to where we were. Yeah, so on to what I was saying. We have some side hustles and some businesses that we do, but deep down inside, we're call center guys, (laughs) right? So, um, you know, Anthony started throwing out some numbers, and just to get a good sense of... uh, you know, the quantity, um, you know, I looked at this literally right before I jumped on the call. In the last six years, we did a little bit less than a $20 million. From the call center? Yeah, so if you want to know exactly, because I was just looking at this, it was, hold on one second. Drum roll. $19,797,782.50. Yeah, so we, we did really well. We had over 100 employees, and... You know, before that, I, I owned a mortgage company for eight years. I had, you know, I had 1.60 brokers working for me in New York City. Did very well there. Uh, we did the call center here in New Jersey. We crushed that. And uh, some circumstances uh, happened where we could no longer do that business model. There were some changes in the uh, regulations of the telemarketing industry and the way we were getting customers. We had to switch that up and we tried other kinds of methods and we fucking failed miserably. One thing you're going to hear here, you're not going to hear no bullshit. We're going to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you the real truth. More failures than successes. We got nothing to hide. Anybody tells you making money is easy. It's not fucking easy. Okay. This and is actually the hardest I've probably worked in the last like six months. Yeah. So, you know, so, so just, uh, you know, so we closed down the call center back uh, probably two years ago, tried to keep it going. We were bleeding money left and right. We decided to take a break from the call center. We did Amazon FBA full time. We went all in on Merch by Amazon and we realized over time that Merch by Amazon was not going to get us anywhere near the goals that we want. We want to build a fucking hundred million dollar company. You know, we want to build a monster organization. 
and we knew that there was only so much we could do with that business model. Things changed rapidly with that business model. And although we love it and love the people, we decided it was time to pivot and get back to in the call center game where we've always done well with. And we're that's what we're good at. We're good at sales. We're good at people. It's so it's so funny. I, you know, you're born. You know, you go through a phase where you know when you were younger. I guess in, in elementary school, you're like, I want to be a astronaut or a soccer player. Or, I want to be a call center guy. I want to be a call center owner. Yeah, right. That was the last thing on our minds. But we we, you know, we we took a few steps. We eventually got here. I you know I I originally wasn't even on the. On the spectrum of call centers. Yeah, before you met me. No, not not. Well, well you no, were in no. mortgages. No, I was in mortgages, but I also I, I did have I, I started a company, I grew it, and I knew sales was the key to it. But, key to a lot of things. But never really call center with dialers and scripts and right. You never really before you met me. Well, before dialers and scripts, but I knew okay, I have to scale and add sales guys because sales guys equal sales. Right. And equals money and equals revenue. Yep. Yep. Right? So I understood that part. Right, so what we did was we wanted to get back in the game and we had a partner of ours, excuse me, we had a guy that we were friends with that's been in the call center game for 20 years, uh, has a marketing company, and um, he had this domain, Call Center BS. We partnered up with Brian. He's on the West Coast in Anaheim. We have an office in Anaheim. We got 12 guys on the phones now pumping out sales, doing B2B again, doing that since June. And also, Brian, our business partner, has been in the game for so long. He's been in the marketing, data, dialer game. So he helps a lot of other call centers. Um, he could get, I mean, whatever data you need, whatever your target market is, I mean, if you want to find women that are age 55 to 60 that have three kids that are divorced but own a home, he can get that data. So he provides specific data for any kind of call centers, auto warranty data, healthcare leads, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, anything, right? Yep. I mean, is there anything that you, that, you know, sports memorabilia data, which I asked them for today. Investors, B2B data. I mean, um, I had a client today. Uh, Did I tell you? Someone Durable me. medical medical device data, like yeah. all that all that stuff. On top of that, he also has technology. Let's has, put it this way. If you're a person, you're part of a data set. Yeah, <laughs> and pretty much. part of a data set, we're going to call it. Not that. only the data, but also the methods of generating leads, uh, live transfers from the Philippines. Uh, the newest thing is artificial intelligence, which is really cool, where there's a robot just speaking to somebody over the phone without the person even knowing and taking complete orders almost all the way through. I mean, it's amazing what goes on in the call center business, but it is highly regulated and you have to be in compliance with everything you do because they don't like guys that are just running uh, funny. Yeah, I think we skipped a step here. I want to go 50,000 foot view and then go downwards. If you are a call center rep, okay, or a sales agent, or you consider yourself in sales, this is the perfect podcast for you. We know because, what I said. Yeah, and I know you said a little bit on the introduction, but it's like, you know, a lot of the, like the, the call center reps, with, you have to, let's put it this way, you have to have a certain mindset, whether you're in business or you're in sales, right? So this podcast is for you. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about mindset, inspiration, motivation, you know, all the things we used to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about all the hows and all the details of what we do every day, the data, the dialer. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, people problems. How to hire, how to fire. So, th like this is just a microcosm of what um, what life is, but also a microcosm of maybe uh, in similarity another business you may run. I mean, it's all it's all. Well, you know what I was saying, and Grant Cardone says this too, right? In any business, no matter what, 
everything is a sale. Everything is somebody giving money to somebody else. Whether you're selling something online, whether you own a fucking grocery store, it's always exchange of money. And that's how any business is made. No matter what it is, it's something to do with a sale. Even selling selling a stock, even an investor raising money, getting money. Like everything's a fucking sale. So that's why, you know, it's called call center BS, but it's really gonna be focused on sales all around that could apply to any business, right? Yep. You know, so we're excited to do this podcast. I'm excited to do the content again because I feel like we were pretty fucking entertaining. And, uh, you know, I hope I'm not the only one, but... Uh, no, you're I, boring now. Yeah, boring <laughs> now. I actually enjoyed doing it. and But, you know, there, were, there, there was no end game, you know, for what we saw. And I'm just being completely transparent like I always am, right? So with the other content we did, you know, there's a whole Gary Vee thing where it's like, look, you just... Keep doing it and doing it, and eventually it'll lead to something. I'm not playing that fucking game, okay? I'm here. I'm 42. I'm here to make money now. So I want to do content to help people, but I also feel like doing this type of content can also help us with, with our marketing side of the business, helping other people with data and with dialer, people who want to start their own call center, people who need help with sales, people who need consulting, people who need scripts written, whatever it may be, right? Especially that we do Amazon FBA, so we are e-commerce sellers as well and do pretty high volume. Yeah, there's a story that was um, uh, that was filtering or going throughout Facebook, and it was the Uber. It was the story about Uber's first uh, flipbook or their you know their first pitch, and the difference between where they were then and where they are now, right? So in similarity, just like us, like we started the content, right? It worked. It worked well for what we were doing. I learned a lot. We learned a lot, but now we're just, you know, we're pivoting a little bit. We're, we're now going back to what we know, which is the call center business. And, you know, we have a little story. Here we started over here, over at X, and now we're at Y. Yeah, and, and well, it, it's good because the reason why the timing is good now is this, right? Is that when we stopped doing the content, started the new business, whenever you start a new business, it required so much effort, right, of being in the business. Like I was on fucking customer service calls. I mean, for how long, Kevin? Talking to customers, like, you know, as a business owner, you need to know every single piece of your business, right? The last thing you ever want is have people that work for you that know more than you do and that and that they become irreplaceable, right? When they and you're kinda of held hostage. So, you know, we, we were working in the business for the first six months of this new call center campaign. We still are. Well, we, we still are, right? But, you know, now most of the big problems, the big problems are out of the way. Yep. Customer service is being handled now. Fulfillment's being pretty much handled now. I'm still getting involved when I need to, but you know, all the big issues are out of the way. We have the right people in the right seats, the sales floor manager helping close deals, the customer service girls handling the customers the right way, um, the merchant accounts being handled, all that shit. You know what I mean? Where now we're handling all these small issues. Now we're more like optimizing. We went from building to now kind of like, like you're almost like you're optimizing a fucking Facebook campaign. It took us a while to get the target down right and get it all right, you know, but now we're kind of optimizing it and making it better. So now there's all these like little small things and features that we're trying to add to make things better, but we now have a little more time where we could actually, because doing the content, it actually requires time and effort and, and it requires space in your brain where I didn't have that fucking bandwidth until now. So two weeks ago, we're like, hey, you know what? I think it's fucking time now. We yep. have a marketing company that we're able to help other call center owners or other sales reps with. Um, let's do the content again and let's do it revolved around what we do now. 
Because whatever we're doing, like right now we're in the call center game, so all we talk about is fucking call center shit all day long, right? So it's easy for us to talk about what we're doing. I don't want to get back on this show or back on the podcast and talk about just mindset and entrepreneurship like every other fucking person does. And what I did notice was that there was not a lot of people, if any, really doing content around this niche, really specifically about call centers and sales and scripts and dollars and data and all the different kinds of campaigns. And when we talk about these things, the campaigns, you're all going to know what we're talking about because you've all gotten fucking calls like this. People calling you to refinance <laughs> your student loans. This touches everybody. It touches. People calling you to refinance your student loans. You're getting auto warranty calls, free vacation calls, home security. There's been a burglar in your neighborhood. Uh, do you have a lot of IRS tax debt? We can help you consolidate it and pay a fraction. Does your business need uh, loans? Do you need cash advance loans? Do you need, I mean, I'm just thinking of some of the campaigns off the top of my head, but there's so many different call center campaigns. And, and let me say this, call centers will never die. Never. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Because somebody needs to talk to, talk to you when you're off the web page, right, and you entered in your your email, right, in your name, some email, name, and phone number, someone's gonna give you a call and then convert you, right? Yep. Or give you a call and have a conversation. It's always gonna happen. Like when you call the AM, unless, of course. <laughs> so there was um, there was a great video that was put out there, I think maybe a year ago, where Google uh, launched its. Uh, artificial intelligence uh, technology, and it's called Google Assistant. It's sick. If you haven't watched it, just go Google it. It's pretty cool. So I was going to say that call centers are never going to die, but Google is out there trying to kill the call center with this AI. So if you have a chance, go on YouTube and just type in Google Assistant, and you'll see what they've uh, unraveled or what what they showed on that video for... Yeah, but at the end of the day, bro, it's going to... It's going to enhance. It's it's going to get better. It's going to evolve. It's going to help call centers like us generate good qualified leads, but an AI ain't gonna be a fucking closer. Yeah. An AI is not gonna rebuttal you over and over. An AI is not gonna give you the rebuttal to, I gotta talk to my wife, or call me tomorrow, or I need my business partner first. He's not gonna fight you to the end like a closer would. It could. Nah, come on, bro. Come on, like Terminator. Like Terminator? (laughs) It'll just turn into Skynet? Yeah. And automatically just, you know, turn into a fucking beast? That'll never happen. You're always going to need good sales guys to push guys over the edge. I don't want to call it high pressure because high pressure is a bad word to use in this business. But, you know, you need guys that are strong on the phone and that could get that credit card. Right? Credit card, yeah. I was going to say or cash or check, but that doesn't, that doesn't happen. What cash, what credit card. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, uh, so, yeah, this is the first episode that we're doing here. And uh, I'm just happy to be doing it again. So we're going to start the Facebook Lives again. Uh, Thursday's the first one. You're not going to be here. I'll do the first one. And uh, our website is callcenterbs.com. Podcast will be on there. Did you tell them what BS stands for? So Call Center BS stands for Call Center Business Solutions, but it also stands for Call Center Bullshitting. You're right? like, we're going to be bullshitting about call centers and also uh, kind of maybe de- mythify the, the the BS part of call centers. Yeah. Because people think that call, you know, call centers and telemarketing to people not in the industry has a bad, uh, it's fucking telemarketers, they're always fucking calling me, but, you know, they actually do provide a good service if they're selling something that's, you know, that's actually solving a problem. Yeah, but even, even when you call in and you get customer service on the phone, that's a call center. 
That's a call center. Yeah. We've so never been be- in the customer service game as far as uh, you know setting up a call center just for that. We've always been doing sales oriented, but we do customer service. Yeah, we our- do customer service. So we do have a section of our call center that does customer service. Even though I fucking, that's the part I hate about the business the most. I would prefer to just sell and let somebody else handle that part of it because I fucking hate it. Yeah, and the reason why is because sales is, I guess, to, to us is very, um, like, it's just a formula, right? Here are the rebuttals, here are the objections, here's what they're gonna say, and then customer service is a little bit more broad. I like, like there's when- There's more questions to answer. I like when we make the sale and we're done, right? Like, you know, like when I go to a store and I buy something, I pay the fucking guy, I take what I bought, and I'm done, right? With this, depending on what you sell, like what we're selling right now requires a lot of customer service. So they make the sale. Now there's all this work to be done after the sale to fulfill what we're giving the guy. We're not selling something physical. We're not mailing something to their house. We're selling a marketing solution for businesses. So it's a digital product, right? So it requires setting up this, setting up that, gathering documents, blah, 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 blah. It's a, what we're selling right now is a real fucking pain in the ass but it's a great uh, solution for business owners who need to get more work, and it works. It's not some bullshit SEO. It's not some bullshit fake lead thing. It's something that actually works. It's a, it's a, it's actually solves a big problem for businesses who are a little low, who are a little light on work, right? Yeah. So you know, it's a I fucking hate customer service. I guess that's the point I was trying to make. But we have to do it. We but you to- like good customer service if you call to you know call to a call center. Like there's a big difference between good and great in terms of customer service, right? Big. I'll give you an example. United, United Airlines. I don't know what they did in the last couple months. Big difference from from a couple months ago till now. Someone came in, revamped the whole call center. Their customer service is like literally on par with. I'll say Amex, right? Because I'm telling you. That good? Yeah, totally different. I, someone came in and, with, with some knowledge and said, you know what? This is not how we're going to treat people. This is how we're going to treat... I don't know what the, how they did it or what they did, but it like literally changed overnight. You know, I... You know, but, now, but that's a learning experience. But now that we're talking about that part of it, right? And this is something that, you know, I hope that we could evolve our business to, right? Is that there's something to be said when every employee in the company... Like, it's always like the sales guys the weekly bonuses for the sales guys, the spiffs for the sales guys, first three deals of the day, 20 bucks each for the sales guys. And there's never that incentivization for customer service people, right? And, you know, I've read about a lot of companies who've designed their whole company where every single person in the company is incentivized and can make more money by hitting their KPIs or their X amount or whatever they have to do. And I feel like a company works so much better when everybody has things to reach for, not just a promotion to the next department, but hey, if I hit X amount of whatever per week, I'm gonna make an extra 150 bucks. Yeah. And I feel like all companies should be like that. Because customer service is harder to measure. It's hard to measure, yeah, yes. Like if you make X amount of people happy on, on, these, on these calls, then we're gonna give you, you know, this amount of money. And so so then you ha- gotta find a way to measure it. Exactly. Which is hard. Very hard. You know, but that's, you know, that's something that we have to figure out how to do. We're still early in this new game. We're eight months in, right? We made so many mistakes on our last call center 
and it was a great even and we <laughs> built it to like Kevin said and we did we did 10 million dollars in one year in revenue we were in Inc 5000 fastest growing companies in in, in America back in 2015 you could actually look I think we're actually number 1205 if I'm not mistaken they were less than that I think I thought it was like 1000 It's actually on the wall right I, was, I think it was like 1145 Hold on say right now 1105 Oh 1105 Yeah we were 1105 uh, you know in the country and, and and you know let's put a disclaimer there for that award you do have to apply for the award so it's not like every business applies for the award but still you know, out of the 5,000 that made it, we were in the top, you know, almost 20%, yep. which is pretty impressive for a, a marketing call center sales, you know, place. But uh, but you had to see this fucking place. We're in our office right now, okay? It's two floors. Each floor is about 750 square feet. We had this floor and the bottom floor completely occupied. The, there building, was, the building next door. There was 50 people in here, right? Couldn't fucking move. Like, I thought the floor was going to break upstairs. That's how many people... It was... My dad owns the building. He would come in here and be like, you can't have this. Hold on a second. You didn't think the floor was going to break. Here's what happened. His dad came upstairs and he goes, and the floor is going to fucking collapse. Yeah. (laughs) That's what he said. Yeah. We were like... We were busting at the seams. And then, right down the road, literally maybe 200 feet away, 300 feet away, there was an empty building that a guy we knew owned... And he wanted to make a store. We convinced him to rent it to us as a call center. And we stuffed that fucking place. Same thing, upstairs and down. We had people in the basement and you weren't even allowed to have employees in the basement. We had 50 something more people there, right? It was insane. People were, we were so packed in here that we had nowhere to go for us for our meetings. So we rented an apartment right next to, this building is a mixed use, right? So it's an office and then four apartments and my dad owns the whole building. We rented an apartment, right? Just so we had somewhere to talk all day and then we hired a chef, we hired a fucking cook to sit there and cook for us all day. Yep. And at one point we had the cook cooking for us all day and all we, and we had just meetings all day, which was for those six months, we were just running uh, it took two, it took three years to get to that point, but we were firing on all cylinders, right? We didn't even have to walk in any of the other offices. We sat there and we had meetings with account management, meetings with sales, meetings with you know human resources, and we just managed our whole business through meetings. And the sales were just fucking pouring in, and meetings it was running like a machine. Yep. You know, we had the reoccurring revenue, meaning the subscription model at $200 a month per client. We added up to a half a million dollars a month in reoccurring revenue. It was fucking beautiful, right? And uh, and then we tried to go big. This is right before it busted at the seams. We tried to go big. We rented an office space that was so fucking big, right? I think it was 20,000 square feet. Something like that. It had like five conference rooms, each of us, and there was four partners at the time. Now it's just me and Kevin. We'll get to that another time. Uh, It was just me and Kevin, and now it's just me and Kevin. Back then there was four of us. We were gonna all have our own executive, huge fucking 800 foot uh, executive uh, offices each in the new building. A conference room to fit 100 people, three other ones to fit 30 people. We were gonna hire 500 reps and just go for it and try to build a $100 million company. We started moving in. We signed the lease, five-year lease, and the rent was like fucking 20 grand a month. No more. I know, for the five years, it was going to eclipse a million dollars in rent. Signed a five-year lease, big, beautiful building, 
started moving our shit in. We're 30 days in and we're in transition starting to move and something really bad happened, right? Where literally our attorney advised us that we have to shut it down. We were like, holy shit, what the fuck are we gonna do? So we had to fire 60 people in one day, probably one of the worst days ever in the history of I me. I think it was the worst day. Probably the worst day of ever owning, owning a business for me. What is the, what's worse than that? Nothing, I felt bad because you know we, the way, we're really nice uh, business owners. You know, we're not dicks, we're not condescending. We genuinely liked a lot of the people. I mean, we had people working there for no reason. Kevin's brother was working there. He was writing the fucking the newsletter. <laughs> I had my stepson there doing nothing all day, put him on payroll. We had like fucking Kevin's mom on payroll. I don't even know what we were doing. It, we had consultants coming in from all over the place. We were blowing money. We had a girl that was cooking cookies in the office. <laughs> yeah, we had a girl making fucking uh, s'mores and selling them in the office. Like it was, it was, it was ridiculous. We had we had a massage girl that would come in like once every couple of weeks and go massage everybody. Like you know, we did all this crazy shit, but we had a lot of fun. You take all the sales guys out. So anyway, um, we were forced to shut it down and we were like, fuck, what are we gonna do now with this new office space? And you know, if you guys don't know about commercial leases, right? Like you're fucking locked in. You, you can't just like give 30 day notice. You're locked in for five years. So we're like, fuck, what do we do? I was like, you know what? Let's just be honest. I called the guy up. Hold on, I don't wanna say this though. That's one thing that I did learn from you is being honest like in situations where and then after this we got to talk about what we saw the movie we saw last night yeah, yeah because yeah. he had a chance yeah, to be yeah. honest yeah. so many times like one thing I learned in business is it sometimes it's better off not to like try to paint the picture it's better off to just say you know what here's what it is and you know what in our call center right now the guy who is the best sales guy is very matter of fact here's how it is you know the way, what? The way he a, sells. It's a very simple analogy. The way okay? he sells is the way that you should be just in most of the parts of your life. Just like, you know, here's how it is. I'll give you a simple analogy. Not right? objectively, not, not being objectively abrasive, just being objectively, you know, this is how it is, matter of fact. And then people will just say, you know what? You know what? Okay, you know, you you, you, you turned it, you turned a bad leaf here. You had a you hit a bad spot. Okay, I let you out of the leaf. I give you an, that's exactly. I what give happened. you a perfect example. It's okay. a fucking perfect learning lesson. Perfect example, right? Sports. All the fucking baseball players that did steroids and denied it and continued to deny it. Everybody fucking hates them. Everybody hates Barry Bonds. Everybody hates sure. Roger Clemens. Right? The guys who admit it off the bat. Forgiveness. A-Rod caught with steroids? Yeah, I did it. All right, he made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, who's the other guy? Uh, uh, Ryan, uh, I forgot his name, um, who admitted it. Ryan Braun, right away, he got busted. He admitted it. No problem. Nobody fucking, they just, they forgave him, right? They for, He made a mistake, they forgave him. The guys who continue to lie, they're still hated. Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player of all time. He's still in the Hall of Fame because he never fucking I, admitted it. I guarantee if you ask any like professional PR guy, it's, it's smart to say, you know what, this is ha this is what happened. That's yeah, so, so back to the story, you know, I was like, I'm just gonna call the guy and tell him the truth. I called the guy, I said, look man, I gotta tell you something, I know I signed the lease, and if I'm bound to it, I, I get it, I know it's a legal thing. It was a fucking 200 page lease. This was no joke. Did you read it? Yeah, <laughs> our attorney read it, who we paid, I don't know how much money to. But uh, I said, look, this is what happened. Our attorney told us to shut down. This is the reason why. You could actually go Google it and look it up yourself. There was a new law that was passed. This is what happened without getting too specific. He's like, I'll call you back. Call me back. He's like, listen, you know what? You were honest. 
I looked it up. It's like exactly what you said. It's right here. I see it. My name was actually on something on the internet. <laughs> He's like, you know, I, I see it. He's like, and uh, you know what? You didn't fucking lie to me. I'm going to let you out of the lease. He's like, what? I'm going to keep your security deposit of $50,000. I said, that's fine. I said, keep that fucking thing. Go out all night. Go to, go, go to the strip club. Go blow it all. Keep it. Thank you for letting me out. And he let us out of that lease. We would have been, we would have had, me and Kevin would have had a tax, a lien of a million dollars on us that we would have fought forever and never got out of. Yeah. That's how that shit goes down. You got to tell one more story. And you know what story I'm going to talk about, or I'm going to say about in the you being in the mortgage business and how everybody was doing this. And then you were like, you again, you it's the same thing. You just said, you, you told the truth. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually, okay. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Anthony's pretty good at this. He does it a lot and it, it's just the right thing to I'll do. Give you a and it ends up, it ends up turning out the best for for all for all parties. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll talk about and everybody that. respects you for it. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk about that right now. It's actually a really good. I, this is actually this was actually one of the probably one of the biggest turning points of my you. of my career. Right? I was in the mortgage business. I was just a regular mortgage broker. Um, without going too far too far into that part of it, I was really good at it. I was you know always wanted to maybe number one in my office every month after month. Uh, we moved to an office in New York City, and the guy that ran the office was—he uh, was a big wig in the stock business. He made like 18 million dollars in 12 months, crushed it, got in trouble, and was under investigation, right, for something that happened with stocks, right? I didn't notice when I first started working for him. Not like I would have gave a fuck anyway. I still would have worked for him, uh, but I knew he was talented, knew what he was doing. Um, really, really good, good salesman. And we went into New York City, rented an office space. Back then, the mortgage business, there was no regulation. You could have a fucking felony and you could own a mortgage company. It's not like how it is now. Now you gotta pass the test in every fucking state. It's highly regulated business. Back then, it was a free-for-all. As you guys who are my age know, 2001 to 2008, you know what went on with the subprime, right? So I, uh, you know, I was one of the top brokers there and they gave me a team of guys. There were six teams in the office. I had a team of six or seven guys and there was five other teams. There was like 60 brokers in the office, right? And there was the guy who ran the company was under investigation. And then there was three uh, guys who were good friends of mine who ran the show and then all the teams, right? So when, after a year, the guy got indicted. He had to go do now, uh, I don't know, four years of time. So he had to go to jail and he left the company in hands with these three guys, good friends of mine. And these guys were making like 50, 60 grand a month doing nothing. They were just hanging out all day. We were doing the legwork. I didn't care. I was making 20, 30 a month and they were making overrides on the whole office. And um, what happened was greed started to set in, right? So these guys started to have this talk. This fucking guy's in jail, making all this money. This is bullshit. Fuck him. Let's leave. Let's start our own shit. This is not fair. Blah blah blah. And you know, we he, we would have these closed door meetings, and I would be the one to say, guys, I, I don't understand why, why, why? Did, who gives a fuck if he's in jail or not? You guys are crushing it. I'm happy here. He did the right thing. The guy always took care of me. Always gave me extra money on my check. Anthony, you hear your old 20 grand? Here's an extra five. I mean, like, I fucking love the guy. Jail or not, he never did the wrong thing to me. And this whole uh, collusion started happening, right? 
And I was really against it. I was like, guys, I don't like this. Why? He never fucked you guys. You guys are crushing it. You guys aren't even doing nothing. You're making money. What are you talking about? Let's not talk. This, let's just let's just work and make money. And they were and they were set on on setting up this big fucking thing and just leaving and fucking this guy over while he was in jail. I didn't like it. I didn't want any part of it. And they were trying to get me included on it, and I would not buy into it. So one day in the office, middle of the fucking day, right? 60 brokers in the office were cranking deals. Uh, an attorney walks in the office with three police officers, walks in, hands the three guys uh, papers, some kind of breach of contract, uh, you're fired, and brought three cops with them because these guys were hotheads and knew that they were gonna fucking flip out. And they did. And they were like, get the fuck out of here. They're fucking throwing chairs in the office. I mean, it was like a scene out of a fucking movie, dude. And we were like, what is going on? There's three cops in the office. They handcuffed the three guys, escort them out of the fucking office, and we're all just standing there like, what the fuck just happened? Five minutes later, I get a call from Mike from jail. He was in Fort Dix. If you guys know where Fort Dix is, it's about an hour and a half uh, out from New York City. It's a, it's a prison facility, a federal prison facility. I get a call from the guy in jail. He's like, Anthony, I got to talk to you. You got to come see me. I'm like, what? I'm like, this is like a fucking movie. What is this? I had to drive down to go see him in jail. He got the fucking orange suit on, the whole thing. I'm like, this is, this is surreal. And he's like, hey, listen. He's like, you know, I knew exactly what was going on in that office. I had cameras. And I had, uh, I had uh, audio recorders all over the place. Oh, we did? Yep. I, was, I knew everything that was going on. I knew those guys were going to try to fuck me. And I knew that you were the only one that wasn't going to fuck me. And you, and you stood your ground. And you were the only loyal guy of all of them. The office is yours. You now run the whole office. All these 60 guys work for you. Do me a favor. There's a year and a half left on the lease. Finish out the lease a year and a half. And then go do your own thing. Go start your own business. Just finish out the lease for me and make me whatever I can while I'm here. And that was like the, a, a huge turning point in my life. And I became now the owner of this mortgage company, ran the whole fucking thing. 60 people was crushing 50, 60, $70,000 a month. And then, uh, and then after that, I finished the lease, did the right thing, left, started my own mortgage company in New Jersey. And I did that for the next five years. I made a yeah. lot of money, but just because I was honest and loyal, you know, that's what happened. And I learned that lesson many times over and over yeah, but again. But even behind closed doors, even if, even the times where we, where we could have like got together and said, you know what, let's, let's not like, let's fuck this guy or not do business with him. You still do the right thing. You got to do the right thing. You always do. You never burn a bridge. Uh, even when things go bad, even when things go bad and it's happened many times with employees, time. you never burn a bridge because I guarantee you there's a day where you'll somehow reconnect with that person. I don't guarantee it, but it's happened many times where, you know, you meet up with that person again and that person says always, hey, it's always them saying to me or Kevin, hey, listen, man, I'm sorry. Because it, it's almost never our fault because we always do the right thing. It's usually something they did, they did great. They always come back, hey, I'm sorry. No problem, we'll put it behind us, man. It was a mistake. And then, you know, we end up doing business together or we make money off of them yeah. or who starts their own call center and we sell them data or whatever, yeah. right? Well, it even, even happened today on a smaller scale. I, got, I was like, um, I was busy doing 1099s. If you guys don't know, today's January 28th and January 31st, you have to get your 1099s in. So, so anyway, I was, um, I was knee deep in this and I got really angry. I called one of our vendors because 
Um, whatever, up and did a thing. whatever. I just got pissed off. Okay, you were pissed off fucking day. I, I was really angry, and I called up and I started. I, I cursed a little bit, right? What'd you I, curse at? Uh, Julie. I was I was angry. Okay. So I was angry, and then um, she hung up the phone. I called her back. I said, "Look, I'm sorry." I called back and I apologized because it's not right to do that. Even though you might be angry or the person might say the wrong thing, it's not. It's not okay. You've to been do. very angry. Yeah, just recently. The last eight months, you've been very. Very angry. <laughs> Let's just call it out in the open. We're on. Let people hear what's going on here. I'm not an angry guy. You have taken a few steps back. You came a long way since I met you, 2009. And the last eight months, you got off the gym. You stopped caring about your health. You've been working day and night, all night, all night, and you've been angry. How did we get you back to? How do you know what I'm angry at? What are you angry about? I'm not angry. I, you know what? For, for me, anger allows me to push through and solve problems. That's and it's, not good. It's, it's not. It's really not a good way to operate because, the, it, but it's the only way I know to get through issues. Like some people use, uh, you know, a different emotion or a different mechanic to do it. But I realized for myself, like, like I just get fucking you know, angry. Last night I listened to Ed Milet. You know Ed Milet, right? Yeah, yeah. I love the guy. And you know listen, what? I've only listened to him a couple I times. I just started getting onto him a little I, more. You know, I saw a couple videos. He's really genuine. And uh, he, he's all about fitness too and in the gym, which I like. And he last night I watched an hour video. He did an interview on YouTube with somebody. And he talked about a big turning point in his life was realizing that if he got his morning right and got his night right, night meaning rest right? Good night's sleep and morning meaning a good routine. He's like, once I figured out how to get my morning and my night right, everything in between just fell in place. He's like, so I started doing that. I started not drinking. I started sleeping every night, seven or eight hours. And then I started my morning routine, which I've been trying to, like today we had our morning meeting, which we do every morning. And I've been, the, the theme this week that I kind of just been talking about is developing good habits, right? So, you know, I've been trying to just get better and developing good habits myself and learning what other successful people do. And, you know, one of, a book that Kevin turned me on to, Tools of the Titans, fucking awesome book. It's just a big, thick book uh, written by Tim Ferriss, four-hour work week. And it's just little three, four-page interviews with all these successful people. Some of the most, the most successful Olympian, CEO, I mean, athlete, I mean, all kinds of different successful people. And a big common trait was that a lot of these people have a, a, a morning routine that they do, whether it's they go out for a jog or do this or do that. And, and, and then, you know, so I've been, try, I've been trying different things. I tried the meditation thing. I, it don't fucking work for me. It doesn't work. I can't, it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me, right? So I started doing uh, something different because I read this one guy's uh, thing. I think he was a, a, one of the senior VPs at Google. He's like, look, stop thinking that you have to make this big elaborate morning routine. Just start somewhere and then you could just continue to make it a little different and grow it. He's like, you know what? Let me try something different. So I tried, I've been doing this now for the last two weeks. Although in California I didn't because we were so trying to get to work in so early in the morning. So I get up in the morning, don't touch my phone at all. Because what Ed said in the video last night was as soon as you pick up the phone, it, there's never good things. It's always reactive things. Don't fucking touch it. Get up in the morning and take 10, hydrate, one bottle of water, down it, 10 deep breaths, like real slow, in through the nose, out, and then 10 push-ups. And I started doing that. 
And then I get my shit, go to the gym, get to the gym on the treadmill. Then I look at my phone and start just looking what's going on. So about 20 minutes later, right? And then one thing that he said yesterday, which was a common trait with a lot of people in that fucking book, Tools of the Titans, was a lot of people use cold as some kind of, uh, I forgot what he said, cellular something, right? So some guys will fucking take an ice cold shower 30 seconds, right? It snaps, snaps your, whatever the fuck it is, your, I don't know, whatever it does, it snaps your body into, into the mode you need to be in. And he was like, look, I don't do that. Like, what I do is I open the faucet and I just grab the water as cold as it is, you know, in the beginning it's ice cold and I just splash my face three or four times and it wakes me the fuck up. So I started doing that. Today was my first day. Fucking, and it's so cold right now in New Jersey. It's like fucking 10 degrees outside. The water's ice cold. So this morning I started that. Got up, down the bottle of water, washed my face with ice cold water, 10 deep breaths, 10 push-ups, packed my shit, went to the gym. And you know what? My day today was fucking fantastic. So I'm starting to develop my own good habits and then trying to get my rest at night too. And, uh, and anyway, this guy, Ed, is like, fucking awesome bro he's i'm telling you he's somebody that i really relate to and i'm gonna start he has a lot of events and so maybe i'll go to one of his max out events but the guy built a 400 million dollar company so in the meantime i i uh, i woke up at he's like, the opposite right listen to his, let's hear your routine no i'm not gonna talk talk about my routine i'll talk about what i did this morning so i woke up 4 30 couldn't sleep so i got up cleaned the house completely okay got the kids dressed up cooked got to work around i don't know was it like six o'clock you were here here, early yeah i was here early Anthony comes in because he hears the door open up. He's like, what are you doing here so early? I was early? ready to go to gym. So think about it. I'm his partner. I come in and he goes, what are you doing here so early? He's never here. He's right? usually here around nine. I'm usually here around nine. I go, look, I got a lot of work to do. I got the 1099s. He goes, he looks at me straight in the face and he goes, you got to develop good habits and shuts the door. That's what I did, right? Yeah, that's exactly what so you, you did. So you got to develop good habits and shut the door. Because even though I spend more time at work, doesn't necessarily mean that's going to add to you know our success. Like... You, you got to individually develop those habits. It, it, you can, we, we even say to the sales guys, it's better to lean on the habit than to try to like, you know, get through the sale or get through the day. Like it's better to lean on the script or lean on the experience or lean on the behavior than to lean on like, you know, yeah. on anything else. What do I do when I come back from the gym? You always, you cook breakfast. And then what, what am I doing while I'm cooking breakfast? Oh, automatically, because I hear I, when I do come in the mornings, I hear him listening to an audio podcast by Gary Vee or by David Goggins. Yeah, so my morning routine is by... not done. So then I go to the gym, right? Because I want to get it all in before my day starts. I know I have to do some personal development. I know I have to go to the gym. I know I have to do some kind of morning routine. And I'm trying to get it all done before my... Because once the day starts over here in the call center world, it's fucking game on and it's not stopped the rest of the day till 7 o'clock. We don't even take fucking... Like in California, these guys, they go on their hour lunch break and they go out to eat and they go get their fucking well, that's chips. that's their behavior. And that's good for them. They, they they need that to get away. Me and Kevin kind of work right through the fucking day. We eat. All right, there was a little hiccup there, so we might have fucked something up. I don't know. I pressed something. Again, we're a little rusty here, so sorry. But uh, whatever. They go on their lunches. I don't know what the fuck I said after that, but then I do my little audio book. Uh, David Goggins right now I'm listening to while I'm cooking and getting ready for the office, right? But what I was saying was, um, it's going to overlap this other part right here. I don't know what the fuck I did. Okay, another interruption. Anyway, I don't care. Too bad. You got to deal with it. Um, you know how sometimes you hear repetitive things and then like it's in your face. So the Ed Milet thing was talking about how, you, how to morning routine. And then Goggins yesterday 
the four in, in, in the morning time on his part of the audio was talking about, look, I don't want to hear excuses about you don't have time for the gym. You don't have time for fitness. He's like, what you have to do is learn how to own the morning. Right. And what he means by owning the morning is that if your day is that consumed and you're that busy, then you got to find time that doesn't exist and create that time. Yeah. He's like, so I, I, I he's like, I know I got to spend time with my wife, time with my kids. He's like, and you know, once they're up, things just start happening, school, blah, blah, blah. He's like, so I decided to own the morning. So I get up two hours before they get up. And now I have two hours where I normally would be sleeping and they're sleeping and that's where I get mine in. That's how I own my morning. So that's what I'm doing. I'm trying just to own the morning and getting it all in before I get into this crazy fucking call center world because it gets crazy. So now, before you start, you know, in, in this business, you could come in like I just said, right? Beautiful morning fucking routine, feeling good, have our morning meeting, pump everybody up, and then we're two hours into the day and there's no sales. Now all of a sudden, your great fucking morning is like, what the fuck, what's going on? Change the data, why we're we not making sales? What the fuck's happening? And in this business, it's fucking day to day, right? Two weeks ago, we had our best week we ever had, right? We popped. 75 deals at 500 a pop. We popped upsells all week long. And then last week, no change. Same people, same sales reps. We did 40 deals. Almost half. Same everything. And then you try to figure out what's wrong. Sometimes nothing's wrong. Sometimes you make a change because you think something's wrong when you shouldn't have made a change. You should have let it play out. So it's a it's very, very interesting business. I have a saying. Um, if it's not fair, make it fair. Right, so a lot of times like you make a commission change or you change something in the call center and everyone starts complaining, well, that's not fair. Well, then I'll say in response, make it fair. How do you do that? Well, in your case, you wake up two hours early, right? If you have a job, you wake up two hours earlier than that to work your side job. Like you have to make it fair. You, ha- you have to, that's it. Yeah. Like you can't get to work at six, like, like get to work, stay later in an extra two hours. Or you, or, I love that saying. I don't know where I got it from, but well, it's not fair. Make it fair. Make it oh fair. yeah, you know what? I don't like that, Kevin. Like I only closed six deals, and and now it's seven deals for the week for me to tear up to get that extra bonus. Well, sorry. Make it fair. Stay here late. I'm teaching my son that. Make it fair, Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's with anything in life. Anybody that's listening to this right now. And maybe you think that it's not fair that you're working for the man and you fucking hate your job. Make it fair. How are you going to make it fair, right? I'll tell you how to make it fair. I know exactly the right answer to make it fair. And Kevin will probably agree with me. You want to make it fair? Simple. Start your own business at nighttime. Instead of watching fucking Netflix and chill four hours a night, you start your own business at nighttime four hours a night. It's going to take you two years to build that business, to make enough money that it equals what you're making at your job. Then you quit your job and then you are the man and you're not working for the man. I mean, or there's a lot of options. Go to your boss and be like, you know what? I want to, I, I want to be more committed than I am. I want to make more money. What do I have to do here to do that? You know, like, the there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, wait, hold on. I understand. What I'm saying is there's a lot of options than, 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 than doing nothing. There's a lot of options than just going along with whatever you've been doing for the last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Let me ask you a question. Out of all our years, thousands of employees in the business, right? How many guys have actually done that? 
pulled me to the side and said, you know what, Kevin, I really want to, you know, get here. What do I have to do that? How many people? Not a lot. You know what? It, un- unfortunately, I'm thinking right now, I, I can't think of anybody. Usually. But but I know there has been some people. Mm. You know what? I, I just thought of someone. Who? You know, the one day that you went away, I think you and, you, and, um, you know, Benny, you guys went away. And I had a, a manager manager meeting. And it was a really good meeting. All the managers got together and uh, they pulled me to the side one-on-one and they, they did the same thing. They did? They did. It was collusion. Maybe it was collusion. <laughs> <laughs> it was collusion. But, you know, one thing that I do notice... But, but because nobody does that, maybe that's what you should do with your boss because I can't tell you out of the thousands of people who did that, who did that. So that's why I offered that as a solution because nobody's doing it. They should be doing that. They should be doing that. Usually what happens in this in our business is that leaders kind of just develop on their own, right? There's All that, the time. Like, I'll give you an example, right? There's a guy named Carlos that works for us out in Anaheim, right? And he started out, he struggled a little bit and he started doing good and better and better and then he just started staying late. Did you he hear just what started, he... he just started staying late. We didn't ask him to. Started staying late, coming in early, trying to get that extra fucking deal, and just you know proving to us that this guy was a natural leader who wanted. He didn't vocalize it to us, but he showed us by proving by proving to us by putting in the fucking work. Did you hear his story this morning, Carlos? Yeah, uh, I mean, a, a little bit. So what happened was he was really underperforming. So I pulled Pat to the side. I'm like, look, Carlos is not, not performing well. We, we have to write him up or something. Like something's got to happen because yeah. whatever's continuing is not going to work. We, re- we wrote him That's up. That's right. We wrote him up. We wrote him up. And I said to him, I'm like, look, I know you can be really good here. What the fuck is going on? And I could just tell by looking at him there was something else. It wasn't, it wasn't his sales skills. It was something emotional. And he, he didn't really admit whatever it was the problem. I know we had some but, shit but, along but the way. But a lot of times, bringing something too light or bringing it almost to light will trigger the per, trigger the person to say, you know what, I, I got to do something here. That was it. It was it was it wasn't even the conversation. It was the the attempt to have a conversation that said, you know what, uh, I know something is going on with me, so I'm going to change it. And that was it. And you know what? I, it was either the next week or the week after that. He just literally became super consistent. He's been the top producer every week for probably almost three months now. Great. Every week. Yeah. And he stays late all the time. All the time. He's, he's open. And now we now because he does that, I talk to him like he's a leader. Like when I was out there last week for the I week, I was like, I pulled my calls. Listen, we have this new product. We're going to be selling. What do you think? I said, let me show you the script. You know, because I, cause I, you know, I know he wants to be a part of something bigger. He's not just here to be a rep. You know, so I value people's opinion and... I want to include them to show them that I care about them, right? He fucking he last week you weren't you weren't here. I was out there. I didn't tell you this. He uh, one morning he uh, he had car troubles. He called up and he's like, ah, I'm gonna find a ride to work, blah blah blah. And then he got to work. I called him in the office. I said, Listen, dude. I said, You are valuable. You're an asset to this company. I'm like, That's why I treat you the way I do. That's why I talk to you. I'm like, you're, I don't treat you like the other guys here right now, although they're good guys, but you've proven time after time that you want to be a part of this big picture. I'm like, you fucking call me. You got car troubles. I'll fucking Uber you here, bro, and I'll pay for it. I don't want to bother nobody. I'm like, you're not bothering. Listen to me. You're not one of those guys bothering me. You've proven now over the past six months that you want to be a part of something bigger here. So you're not bothering me, dude. I need you here. I need you here to lead these guys. I'll pay for you to get here. I'll make sure you're taken care of. You have any problems, you come to me. 
You know? Yep. So, and he really appreciated that, of course, you know? I'm, I'm going to say this. Leadership is not given, it's taken. It is. Yeah. Like, you can't give it away. You can't say, well, this guy's the leader of the group. It like, just happens. Even if you do do that, everyone can smell if the guy's a leader. We yeah. were just talking about this the other day. Yeah. Like, me and Anthony can smell another business owner. <laughs> Yeah. Like you can, you just know. You know another business owner if he's a fake business owner or not. He doesn't have to say a fucking word. You just know. <laughs> you just man. know at that point. You just. We've been in the game too long. Yeah, man. You, you, you really do. You really do. My, my, I've really developed, I feel I've developed my instincts really good now. My gut is right like 98% of the time, dude. And you know, I call him a lot too. Like I know, I feel when something's not right. I feel when something's not going in the right direction. I'm on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast and I feel when something's wrong with one employee out there without even fucking being there. That's how instinctful I am now with our business and I know what's going on. I'm good with people. You know, I know what's up. So, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're growing right now and, uh, you know, we have our fucking problems. Uh, we are bringing in revenue but I tell you, and I was telling this on, uh, I did a live show with RJ and Matt last week. And we're like, so how's it been getting back into the game? I said, you know what? It's hard, right? So don't let it, people tell you and you watch all these fucking videos and this and that. It's, it's fucking hard. You got to have a lot of fucking balls, right? And it is a little scary. You know, six, eight months ago in June, we were sitting here, me, Kevin, Brian, and Pat, who's our, Pat's our other partner out there. Like, all right, what are we going to sell? That's how this started. And we tried something that didn't work, tried something else, started with zero. We're now eight months later, okay? We just did payroll last week, which we do every other week. We pay two weeks at a time. And our payroll was $36,000. From zero to 36. Think about that. Our, we started with zero eight months ago to now having a payroll of over $70,000 a month. And it's fucking scary. It is fucking scary. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you have all this liability and employees and this and that and who, you know, now you get, you get and you got to just build this thing as you go. Like, oh shit, like it's new year. You know, where are our sick days? Where, how many, how many vacation days do we get this? Oh fuck, we need to put that in place. Like this, all these things that just keep, you know, happening as you grow a business. You know, it's fucking, it's really nuts. When I started my first company and my partner at the time, and I learned a lot from him as well, uh, we needed $10,000 to, um, to complete the season, right? And he said to me, he goes, I don't worry about it, we'll, we'll, go and gra- we'll go and find it somewhere. And at that time, I never owned a business before, that was the first time that this, this actually happened to me. And I was thinking to myself, 10 grand? Where the fuck am I gonna find that? Right. Right, we needed 10 grand back to go. Then, back like, then, uh, I was like, uh, I guess, I don't really know where we're gonna find it, but we found it by doing more sales. <laughs> we found it by doing more sales, pulling more money in, and then we said, okay, we were able to push forward. Yeah. Hey, listen, we've made a lot of mistakes uh, over the past years. I mean, shit, we took out fucking two of the dumbest loans you could ever imagine. Merchant cash advance loans, one for a buck fifty and one for a hundred thousand. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cash advance loans with ridiculous interest rates, just to keep our business going back then. That was then. stupid. Though. Very stupid. Very reactive decision. Um, you know, and 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 we continue to make mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like we haven't made. Big mistakes. We made big mistakes back then. We blew up fucking merchant accounts. We fucking, we, we made big mistakes. Now it's more, you know, making little mistakes and but not making the big ones that could just cripple your business in one shot. We made mistakes that could cripple your business. We went, you know, we, we lost the whole thing in the beginning and remember in New York City and it started all over again. 
you know? And that's a whole other story, and then we'll get to that story eventually too. But, I mean, so many good stories, and that's what really makes it all worth it in the end, right? When you have the story behind you, and you tell, hey, look, this is how we started. We came from fucking nothing, scrounging, scratching. We caught a break here, we caught a break there. But the breaks that we caught were not because we just got lucky. It was because we were working so hard that... You know, luck doesn't just happen. Luck is a byproduct from hard work. So. We had a we had a couple lucky things that happened today, but it really wasn't luck. It was like it was like whether these things happened or not, we would still push forward. We're just like, ah, oh, fuck, we got to break here and we got to break here. Right, but think about all the not breaks that we've had in the past. For two, every, yeah, for every break that we get, we break fucking <laughs> we break our leg a hundred times. That's what I mean. Like so, yeah, we today we had two two good things happen to us, but. You know, in the past, we had something really bad happen in November that almost really hurt this business. And since that time, we were trying to figure out what we're going to do, you know, how long we could continue to do this without pivoting and doing something a little different with our sale. And, you know, all so many problems we dealt with. You know, we had, uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. We had uh, 150 customers that we sold at $500 a piece that at the time we sold them qualified for the program that we're selling right now. And then all of a sudden there was a change made to the program and those 150 people no longer qualified. We're like, okay, are we gonna refund 150 people? That's $75,000. We don't have $75,000 in the bank to give back to people, what do we do? You know what I mean? And like, that was a huge fucking problem that, you know, that today, <laughs> after two months of figuring that out and kind of holding these people off, being honest with them, giving some yeah, refunds. We, yeah, we told them like, hey, look, the program changed. Do you guys want to stay in or not? And, and a lot and of them- Another honesty. Right another there. honesty thing. And a lot of them were like, you know what? You've been pretty honest. You've been honest. Like, we'll stay in. Yeah. We'll, we'll wait it hey, out. Here was the pitch. Called all these people. Hey, look, the program has changed. I'm fighting to try to get you in, which was the truth. Uh, but it's going to take a while. If you want a refund, I'll refund you right now. I understand. If you want to hang tight, give me like 30, 60 days. I'm trying to get you through. If I can't get you through in 60 days, I'll still refund you. And you know what? Only about 10% actually said, give me a refund. The rest said, all right, I'll hang on for a while. Let me know. Yep. And you know what? Today was that break that now out of those 150 people, we could probably get about 100 of them back in now because yep. there was a change made to the program that made it a little Probably easy. more now. Probably more, you know? So, hey, it's like anything else. You gotta fucking hang in there. You gotta hang tough. You gotta be, the most important thing is being mentally tough because some of the challenges that we faced, most people will just run from and not know how to handle it and wake up and fucking distress, right? Like, fuck, what am I gonna do today? What are we gonna do? You know, it's like, you gotta just be mentally fucking tough. Yeah, but how do you get mentally tough? You get, and I, that's I, not an easy, that's not an easy path to, or it, an easy, easy habit so to produce. I think there, so, or mindset, or whatever you want. I think there's two ways to get mentally tough, right? This is my opinion, and I'm just making this up right now, but I feel I'll give you mine. I think two things. Number one is experience. Going through it in the past makes you mentally tough, all right? We've been through this how many times? I've been through this, but bankrupt foreclosure, $130,000 in debt, lost my fucking house, divorce. I mean, I've been through all that shit. That shit makes you mentally tougher. But the other part making you tougher is by listening to other people who are mentally tough. The audio books, the David Goggins, the Grant Cardone, you know, training your mind that way. And being around people who are mentally tough. And surrounding if you're, yourself. If you're around yes. people who are mentally tough, you naturally get tougher. 
Yeah, man. It's impossible. They put, they pull you, they push you, they, they bring you along, and it just happens. I had an argument with Pat last week, so when he hears this, I don't care. But yeah, Pat, had, listen up. We had an argument last week about personal development, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I just don't resonate with inspirational." I was like that too when I was young. He's like, "I don't resonate with inspirational things." I'm like, "It's not about resonating with inspirational things, bro. It's about you know following the same paths that other successful people have." Uh, he's like, "Well, not all successful, not all people who were successful listen to motivational things." I'm like, maybe not all of them, but you know what? 90 fucking 5% of them do. And it's proven by just looking. Go, go grab that book, Tools of the Titans. Go look at the routines of all these people. Go look at how they handle their tough, handle their business. Go look at what they've read. Yep. You know, like, yo, so I said to him, it's not about you not resonating with that. Find somebody who you do resonate with because they're out there. You know, I don't resonate with... Uh, you know, I used to resonate with Gary Vee a lot, and I still do. I like him, but I don't as much anymore because I've realized that Gary Vee is awesome. I love him, but he's more about the little guy starting his side hustle and just doing his which thing. Which is fine. Which is fine. The guy selling the sneakers on eBay and making eight grand a month. Like, and that's cool, but I started to pivot more to listening to people who think fucking big. Guys like Grant Cardone, this guy Ed Milan, guys who just think big, and more guys that are mentally mental warriors like David Goggins, and you know, that's what I'm onto right now. I'm sure I'll pivot and find more guys, but I resonate more with guys who think fucking big because I want to do something fucking big. I want to make a hundred million dollars. I want to fucking fly private. I want that house on the beach in fucking Malibu. I want it all. Right? And selling sneakers on eBay ain't gonna fucking get me there. Selling t-shirts on Amazon merch ain't gonna get us there, right? So I'd rather listen to guys who have built monster businesses, billionaires, and learn that way. Yeah, I'll give you like my little uh, my little take on how to be mentally tough. And I'll give you like one quick story and then wherever we wanna take it from here is this. Went to Germany. We're over an hour already, dude. I know, I think we should probably end pretty soon. Okay. Went to Germany, I think it was uh, maybe six months ago. All right, and I told you this story before, Ann. And uh, Angie's like, let's go to a, let's go to a spa. Let's go to a, an an all nude spa. Yeah. <laughs> now, for the most part, all nude spas. I like, wouldn't have done it. Like if you go with other guys, if you, if you go to a spa, usually the spa is separated where men go to one side, women go to the other, and whatever it is, what it is, and you're half naked, half wear a towel, and whatever, right? This spa was different. This spa was an old old Roman bath spa, and everybody was was in the same room, all naked. Women, men, everybody. Old guys? Old guys, Saggy young guys. Balls. Old guys, young guys, old women, oh, young man, women, everybody. So I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Now, for some reason, you know, you're around the opposite sex and you're a little bit more, you know, aware. So I would, I, you know, at first I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go do that. But, but in the end, I did it. And I did it because I knew that would make me a little bit tougher. So let me ask you a question, though. Honestly. Honestly. When you're naked in front of a bunch of other people, you think it's like a fucking cocktail weenie, right? Always. <laughs> <laughs> so so you gotta take those little those little opportunities in life and whether it's like going to a naked spa or going and like sending an email that you don't want to send to or talking to someone. Like a lot of times I'll go and talk to somebody. I did it the other day. where was I? I um oh, I was at the airport. And this guy was just standing there and he was waiting for his like uh, fried chicken sandwich at the airport and I just turned to him and I'm like did you get the chicken or the burger? And he's like, I got the chicken. I was like, I was thinking about it, but I got the burger. Now I could have just, you know, not said anything to him, but I started the conversation because it just made me a little bit uncomfortable rather than just not doing that. 
So you got to take those opportunities, whether it's talking to someone, something small, sending an email, going to the naked spa, doing all these little things, and they all add up to, you know what, this guy's a little bit more mentally tough than than what I was, you know, yesterday. You just can't be scared. You can't be scared. You can't be scared, man. We went to that fucking Amazon event. Remember that event we went to in New Jersey? Uh, yeah. Right? We got to that event, and this is what I'm pretty good at. Like, you know, I... I but everybody... Hold on, let's say. You can't be scared, but everybody is. Yeah. Everybody has fear. I, I, has I've gotten over that, right? Yeah. But, you know, we went to this event, and then we'll wrap it up after this. So it was an Amazon event, and... When, on our way there, I said, hey, I'm going to find the biggest guy in the fucking room who's selling the most. I'm going to go talk to him. That's what I, I want to know who's doing the biggest numbers and learn from that guy. So when we got there, the guy who was running the event was the first guy speaking. Uh, I think his name was Sam Cohen, pretty big Amazon sellers. You guys might know who he is. And he got on stage and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I never met the guy. He's like, yeah, we did $20 million last year. I'm like, wow, bro. That's, that's some serious fucking numbers to move product. To move $20 million in product, that's serious fucking number. That's a lot of product. That's a lot of warehouse inventory. So he stopped speaking and I immediately, as soon as he stopped speaking, I darted to the room before anybody else got to him. Got right in front of him. Hey, Sam, my name is Anthony. Nice to meet you. And he was like, hey, what's up? And these guys are all nice guys, man. Yeah. You know, they're not dicks. They don't, you know, some people are, but you know, I, 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 come, I, I come with a strong presence. Walked right up to him. I said, hey, man, listen, my name is Anthony. Thank you for, uh, thank you for this event. I'm here to, to learn, whatever. Just, I want to ask you a question. I know you're busy. I know you're running the event. Real quick, you're doing $20 million. That's big. I do $2 million. I want to get to 20 How the fuck did you get from 2 to 20 Just tell me, to tell me the, 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 how you did it. He's like, a lot of moving parts, and I had to raise a lot of money. I was like, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. He's like, a lot of moving parts, dude. Warehouses, shipping, logistics, raising money. He's like, that's, although if I didn't raise a lot of money throughout the way and got investors, there's no way I would have got from two to 20. I was like, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Right then and there, I knew that for us to get from two to 20, it probably had to be something similar like that. And I, was, I didn't want to do that. Yep. I didn't want to be in that kind of business with a lot of moving parts, right? And have to find a way to raise all kinds of money. We've never raised money. We've always built from the ground up. And I like doing that because it's all ours. So anyway, the point of it is that like, you know, I try to fight the biggest fucking shark in the room and go be friends with him. That's what you want to do. You know, don't be a fucking pussy. Don't be afraid, you know? So anyway, we're rambling, but I, I think you guys are getting the gist of what this is going to be about. Uh, it's going to be BSing about everything, right? A little bit of call center, a little bit about sales, mindset, building a business, just, you know, just kind of the same stuff we were doing with the merch stuff, but, you know, talking about what we're doing right now, which is building a call center. And, uh, you know, we're excited that we're back in the call. I'm never leaving this fucking space again. Ever. Ever. You know, this business is scalable. Call centers, if you have the right campaign with the right people, with the right leadership, with the right data, with the right marketing, and it all comes together, you can make a lot of fucking money with high margins. Yep. Not on Amazon, but like our Amazon FBA business, you know, 20% profit, 15%. In the call center business with the right model, you can make 60, 70% margins. Yeah, let's put it this way. There's a lot of call centers and there's a lot of sales, like uh, sales organizations everywhere. We were down in West Palm Beach and I was talking to the one guy they were visiting. I'm like, what the fuck was down here before? And he goes, well, IBM was here at one point and that's what, you know, that's where this building was at. But then I said, well, what happened next? And he goes, call centers. Yeah, literally. <laughs> there's a West Palm Beach equal call center. Boca. Yeah. It was it Boca? Uh, I think we were in yeah, Boca. Yeah, yeah, Boca, yeah. I mean, it was a building that was so big, millions of square feet. It Huge. Was all fucking call centers. Yep. You know, Florida, Arizona, California, Utah, that's that's where the call center industry is big. 
That's why we're moving out to California in, in the summertime because we need to be where this industry is the biggest, where we could grow the fastest, and we are making that move out there. I forgot to mention that, but uh, yeah, we're doing that too. We go out there now all the time. We rented an apartment out there. Me and Kevin go out there all the time, but we're going to move the whole family out there and leave this fucking cold-ass weather behind, leave New York City behind, and uh, and continue to our goal to $100 million, right? That's it. And then maybe a billion, right? So uh, anyway, I hope you enjoyed the first episode, Call Center BS. We'll be doing it once a week. This will be me and Kevin doing this every week. And then the Facebook Live shows will start Thursdays at 1 o'clock Eastern time from our Call Center BS Facebook page. Go to our Facebook page, Call Center BS, like the page. And uh, and go to our website, callcenterbs.com. Podcast will be on there, links to the Facebook group, all that shit. And uh, look forward to... Uh, to continue to do this, right? Yep, off to St. Kitts. I'm, I'm going to uh, going on vacation tomorrow. Yeah, have a good fucking time.